Father and our God. As we pause for just a few moments to hear your word, we pray that your word will come forth with clarity. We pray that your word will come forth with power. We pray, oh God, that we will listen to your voice. Speak to us this afternoon. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength and you're my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know that um, it is a blessing to be in the house of the Lord, to worship with the saints of God, to spend time with one another, but most of all, to sit at the feet of Jesus. God has been good to you. I want you to know, Mache, so good to see you. Graduate, look at her. Looking good, praise the Lord. What a blessing. You know, saints, it's good to see each and every one of you. I'm glad to be back with you and to spend some time with you. And uh, the Lord has blessed us to have one of the greatest head elders. Amen, somebody. And we're so blessed to have each and every one of us here, our guests, the Davises and other guests that are here. Thank the Lord for you. I want you to know, I want you to know, this is critical. I want you to know that when I preach, we only preach about 25, 30 to 25 to 30 minutes. So you don't have to get nervous. I know we're looking at the time. So you don't have to worry about that because we whatever we say can be said in 30 minutes. Somebody ought to say amen. And I adopted that. I adopted that. Let me tell you why. Because when you watch TV, the, the show's 30 minutes. They happen real fast, 30 minutes. And so you have to be prepared to watch a, a lengthy movie. So we've already worshiped the Lord. I'm not going to bore you with uh, a long sermon. But I am going to get to the to the depth of God's word. There's one thing that I believe in, and that is being in God's word. Um, you know, as I was preparing, I wanted to give the church everything. That's the temptation, you know. You want to share, but then I remembered I'll be back. <laughs> so I can take my time in his word. I'm going to ask you for just a few moments. I'm going to read just, Greg, thank you so much for already reading Luke chapter 7. I'm going to um, just read a couple of verses there, which we will focus on this afternoon for just a few moments um, with your prayers. The Bible says in beginning Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 13, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion. I know you have your Bibles with you. Because we wouldn't come to church without the word of God. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's underneath your seat. Somebody ought to say amen. I believe in God's word. Isn't that right, Brother Washington? I believe in being in God's word. He says, and, and, and when he, the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. And he came and touched the coffin, and they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, arise. 
I want to preach for just a few moments with your prayers how to deal with setbacks and discouragements. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm going to learn how to deal with my setbacks and my discouragements. <coughs> ever feel like giving up? Do you ever feel so discouraged that even one more day of frustration will be too much for you to handle. Everyone gets discouraged at times. However, there are a number of key differences between people who keep on going and those who give up. So how do you deal with setbacks, Sister McGlover? How do you deal with discouragement? You've got to get the right perspective. Let me hear you say, get the right perspective. To illustrate this idea, a letter was written from a college student to her mom. Mom, since <coughs> I've been away at college for a semester, I, I thought I would bring you up to date with what is going on in my life. Shortly after arriving at college, I got bored with dormitory life and stole $10 out of my roommate's purse. With the money I stole, I, I rented a Honda motorcycle. I crashed into a telephone pole a short distance from the college. I broke my leg, but I was rescued, Mom, by a young doctor who is in medical school who lives in the apartment above me. He took me in, nursed me back to good health, and he set my leg. Thanks to him, I'm up and around again. I wanted you to know, Mom, we are going to get married as soon as possible. Since we are having some problems with the blood test, there is a disease that keeps showing up. We do hope, however, that we will be married before the baby arrives. And we will be home shortly to live with you and dad. <coughs> I know you will love the baby as much as you have me, even though the baby, listen, will be of a different religion. But please try, mom, to understand the reason why we have to come to live with you is my close friend, my doctor. He wants to quit medical school because he wants to give me all the attention that I deserve. Mom, I really didn't steal $10 from my roommate's purse. I didn't rent a Honda motorcycle. I didn't crash into a telephone pole or break my leg. I didn't meet a medical doctor of a different religion. There is no baby or blood disease. I won't be home right now to live with you and dad. Uh, there is no baby, but I am getting a D in geometry and an F in math. <laughs> and so I wanted you to accept these grades in, your, in its proper perspective. Doesn't that say it all? <laughs> when discouraged, is it possible to see the other side? Is there, Imani, another perspective. All too often, 
we focus on the negative. Walt Whitman suggested for years to get anyone interested in his, in his poetry. He was discouraged. Then he received a note. It said, Dear Sir, it began, I am not blind to the worth of the wonderful gift of leaves of grass. I find it most extraordinary piece of wit and wisdom that America has yet contributed. I greet you at the beginning of your career. It was signed by Ralph Walden Emerson. What encouragement. When you have somebody who is willing to lift you to the next level. Isn't it wonderful when you have someone that cares about you and wants you to do well? That's why it's so important, Imani, to surround yourself with positive people. You have to be willing to, to step away from those negative influence. Let me share this with you. You know why people share negative uh, influences? You know why people share negative things with you? They are trying to keep you, listen to me, where you are. Misery loves company. There are some people, Willie, who just drain you with negativity. This is wrong and, and that is wrong. You know what I discovered? The people with less responsibilities are the ones that criticize the most. You've got to learn to surround yourself with, with people that want to lift you to a brand new level. Learn to say the right words. Uh, be a part of lifting people up. Helping people out of discouragement. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was at one time the greatest heart surgeon in England, says this in his excellent work, Spiritual Depression, Its Cause and Cure. I hope you're writing this down. Most of your unhappiness in life, listen to me, is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself rather than listening to me, than talking to yourself. Things that make you go, hmm. Think about it. You woke up in the morning and right away there are streams of thoughts coming into your mind. You haven't asked them to, to, to come up, to come in your mind, but, but they're influencing your thought process. Number one, you have to listen to me. You have to talk to yourself instead of listening to yourself. Oh, you know, I can't do this. You can't say that. You have to believe that you've got the power through God to do this. Watch this. Listening is passive and talking is active. That's why it is important that you learn to talk to yourself positively. I can do it. We will win. My marriage will work. I will get healthy. I will overcome this situation. I will get the right financial uh, position. I will get that promotion on my job. For you to achieve it, you have to believe it. 
So my question is, what words do you say to overcome discouragement and setbacks in your life? One of the things that, that I say, listen to me, one of the things that I say when I'm going through something is this too will pass. Let me hear you say that. Take a breath. This too, the situation that you're in right now, this too will pass. Learn to talk to yourself in a positive way. Learn to reinforce positive thoughts and, and make sure you're surrounding yourself with positive influences. As we come to our text, what we see in Luke chapter 7 in this passage is what is prevalent in our society. It is an episode of discouragement. There are millions of people across our country that are hemmed in by discouragement, that are held hostage with discouragement, that are handcuffed with their wrists and shackles on their feet of setbacks and discouragement. And it's difficult. But this is a difficult passage. This is a difficult situation to be in. And I know, listen to me, for this woman in this passage, it indicates to us that she is discouraged by the death of her husband. She is dealing with a dead-end situation. No wonder it's a difficult situation because she's got a dead relationship. Matter of fact, if we look closely in this passage, Every man that meant something to her in the relationship is dead. The situation with her husband, that situation is dead. She's got a dead relationship going on. Not only a dead relationship, but she has depleted resources. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. In the first century, women didn't go out and get jobs and work. It was a sexist society. They were looked upon as second-class citizens with no rights at all. The man took care of, of, of the women, of the family, and he provided for them and, and met their needs economically and, and financially. But now her man is gone. And she finds herself barely making ends meet. It's turned into a matter Leoma, a survival for her now. She is just trying to get along. You see, some of us have two or three dollars in the bank, and, and we think that everyone has made it economically. No, there are some people who are struggling. There are some people with depleted resources, and discouragement is setting in. Then in the midst of all of this difficulty and her discouragement, then she had to deal with the death of her son. Verse number 12. We're still in the book, Luke chapter 7, verse number 12. Now her only son has died. She had enough to deal with just to get her ends to meet. Putting food on the table. Shoes on his feet. Now the boy ends up, Sandra, in a dead situation. Out of all she had to deal with, she just wanted her ends, Martin, to meet. It was just a matter of survival. 
She's dealing with the discouragement. She's dealing with this setback and she's dealing with this depression. The boy is in a dead end situation and I know he's dead because all the evidence points to him being dead. You want to know whether or not your child is dead or whether or not you are dead? You want to know? I'm glad you asked. All the evidence will point to the fact, well, what is the evidence? Number one, he is not conscious to life. Wouldn't respond to anything around him. He was indifferent to whatever was going on. No matter what would happen in that situation, the boy would not respond. Why? He's dead. Indifferent. Careless mentality. Life all around him. Community all around him. But he could not relate to the community. Could not relate to his mother. Why? Because he's dead. He is not conscious. Because many of our young people, including our own, never developed critical thinking. I want you to listen to me. Unconscious to the issues around them. Why? There are a number of reasons. When we send them to school, the first goal of education is to teach them what to think. When at home, we should be teaching them how to think. Oh, it went right over your head. We've got a problem. Because others are teaching our children what? What they need to be thinking. And we need to be teaching them. Critically thinking means correct thinking. In the pursuit of relevant and reliable knowledge about the world. Another way to describe it is to reasonably reflective, uh, 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 responsible, and skillful thinking that is focused on deciding what to believe or what to do. Some of you guys are missing me. This is heavy. This is why some of our actions, some of our attitudes are where they are. Because we haven't learned how to think critically. I only tell you what someone told me to tell you. And I have not figured out the process of how to think for myself. And how to think critically to understand. A person who can think critically can ask appropriate questions, gather relevant information, efficiently and creatively sort through this information, reason logically from this information, and come to a reliable and trustworthy conclusion. But if no one taught you how to think critically, you're only reproducing what I told you to reproduce. Critically thinking enables an individual to be responsible by not merely being a consumer, but a creator. I wish I had time. We got about 10 minutes. We got to get out of here. But, but, but I want you to understand. I'm going to come back. You've got to understand 
it's an issue. That's why many of us are still dealing with the same old sins, the same old issues, the same old problems, because we have not learned how to trust God and to think our way out of those situations. So we only respond what people tell us to do. It bothers me when our children go to school and our, our, our educators and our instructors are telling them and they're just memorizing it and reproducing it. We need to challenge them, Talia. Megan, Maya, Brandon, Jay. We got to challenge. And we're missing that piece. And there's an issue with Willie dumbing down of America. Because we just don't process well anymore. It's hurting our churches. It's hurting our communities. We need to come up with programs where we begin to develop our children. We need to develop. So we can begin to look at stuff just a little bit. I'm going to move on. He was unconscious. Matter of fact, when, when, when you look at this, the mother is crying. <clears throat> She's weeping. And the boy couldn't even respond to the crying and weeping of his own mother. She's seen what is going on, and she's crying, literally crying, tears running down her face, trying to get him to straighten up and, and stop this and, and to stop that. He wouldn't even, or he could not even respond to the tears of his own mother. And everybody's standing in the back saying, well, why can't he respond? He's dead. He's not conscious of life around him. He's not responding. And then number two, he, he's carried by other people. Let me hear you say carried by other people. They were carrying him to the grave. This is a young man between the ages of 18 and 21. Late teens, early 20s, and, and other folk are still carrying him. When other folks are carrying you, when you get that old, you're dead. It goes back to that critical thinking. We're going to work with you. This thing is tight. He's not conscious of what is going on. Other folk are carrying him. And then evidence number three that you and your child is dead is they cannot communicate. And we are excusing how our young people are communicating. Have you ever tried to communicate with some folk? Do you understand the word that is coming out of my mouth? Words come out, but you don't know what they're saying. I'm not trying to admit it's the truth. Can't communicate. And we call it cool. Can't relate in the midst of family. You can look at it. You can look at amen. I know you can't say it, but you can look at Talk about getting married and, and having children, Brother Washington, and can't even communicate. 
can't relate in society, can't deal with the community, can't manage their money, can't count one, two, three, can't multiply, can't subtract, can't divide. Quantitatively, verbally, they're dead. She has to deal with the death of her son. Then she was living in the midst of discouragement. I, I need to go ahead and say this before I move on. That is part of the issue with people keeping you where you are. It's a lack of information. You've heard it. If you ever want to hide something from a black man, do what? Put it in a book. It's not that that person next to you is smarter than you. They just have more information than you. Maybe it's because they're taking time to read the information and digest the information. We're missing it. You're where you are because you're not gathering it. You're smart. We've got to take some time to process and to think things critically through critically. Well, how do I know it was a discouraging society? All the men died prematurely in this city that this boy died. Most of the men in the city died early. So she was faced with a dead society. Husband died, sons died, fathers died. In their city, there was death and dying prematurely and women crying all the time. And I was wondering, how could the a community be like that. And I discovered after doing research in this city that Jesus had not been there before. You can begin to come play. And anytime you have a city with no Savior, you know, we're going to have to pick this up at a later time, but anytime you have a city with no Savior, you're going to have men dying and women crying. Messed up city. No savior in the city. It is our view, listen to me, of the savior that grows us, Sister McGlover, and changes us. We can only conclude where there is no savior, there will be no growth. Somewhere along the way, they obstructed the view of God. Men dying, women crying, a discouraged society. Matter of fact, as this young man was in the coffin and the crowd was bringing him through Capernaum, Jesus shows up. Before I leave this passage, you're going to see what happens when life meets death. When discouragements and setbacks run up against the Savior. This was a discouraged situation. This was a discouraged society. Now watch this. Notice it was a community that was carrying this boy to the grave. Notice. When her boy dies, the crowd gathers around. Well, I have a question for you. 
the crowd, the so-called community, the so-called church when the boy was alive. We have a way of gathering around discouragement. But the Bible says that Jesus came on the scene. There is deliverance of the Savior. It is a difficult situation to deal with discouragement, setbacks, and setups. But Jesus steps on the scene. He comes to bring deliverance. Jesus shows up, and, and the Bible says that Jesus lays hands on the casket. You see, Jesus touched the casket. Yes, it was discouraging, but Jesus shows up, and, and he resurrects the boy out of the grips of discouragement. You can't tell me when Jesus shows up and puts his hands on your situation that God does not change it. When times get tough or things don't go the way that we want them to go, when discouragement comes in like a flood, when people tell you that you're not going to make it, talk to yourself. Don't listen to your problems. Talk to yourself and remember that God is still in control. God is turning things around in your favor. God is opening up doors of opportunities in your life. God is restoring relationships. He's softening people's hearts towards you. God is completing what he started in your life. You may not see anything happening with your natural eyes, but God is doing great things all around you. You see, no weapon formed against me. I said no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Your future is going to be great. I said your future is going to be great. Someone says after you've done all that you can, after you've worked it out and tried to fix it, after you've done all that you can do, just stand. Just stand. Just stand. Keep on standing. Keep on praising. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on fighting. Just stand. For the Bible says God will. I said he will. Make a way out of no way. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Lord, as we pause for just a moment, we realize how powerful you are. And as you spoke to us this morning, how to deal with this discouragement, and we realize, number one, we've got to think critically. But Lord, we can't think critically without your word. And we're going to trust you. Because when you come on the scene, you make a difference. Somebody here right now. Somebody here right now. Somebody here right now. You are struggling with something in your life right now. And you want God to fix it right now. Not tomorrow. You want him to resolve it right now. I want to invite you to come down forward for prayer. And watch God move in your life right now. But you've got to stand. And you've got to believe it. 
You've got to trust him. God bless you, my sister. You've got to believe it. God bless you, my brother. You've got to believe it that when you step out and you trust God, he'll show up on your situation. He'll show up and he'll make a difference. Somebody right now is believing that God is going to allow you to be victorious right now. And we're going to trust him every step of the way.